0: X-Ray.
1: Hey, welcome to the Beer Vada Podcast. We join you nearly live from the studios of X-Ray FM here in the Falcon Art Building in beautiful North Portland. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful fall afternoon. Uh, excited about our in-studio guest today. Yeah, me too. Uh, but before I talk about in-studio guests, I'll introduce you, Jeff. You're Jeff Alworth. I am. You still are. Yeah, yeah. You've written books. <laughs> Among still. those books are The Beer Bible and The Widmer Way.
0: All true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a man of facts. I am. So welcome to yourself, Jeff.
0: Thank you. Yeah. You are Patrick Emerson, oh. a professor of economics That's right. at Oregon State University. Okay, now I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I am also a man of facts.
1: (laughs) As I got up this morning, I had some doubts. Uh, Across from us is is, uh, Miranda, who's helping produce the podcast today. Hi, Miranda. Uh, Thank you for stepping in. Before we get started, we'd like to thank the Freem Family Brewers for sponsoring this episode of the Beervana Podcast. You can find them in Hood River, Oregon, and at freembeer.com. That's P-F-R-I-E-M-B-E-E-R dot com. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. i waiting for, for <laughs> you, your thought. You that all, was pretty good.
0: Uh, that, that was great. Yeah. A, after you, after you do the, 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 uh, the reading, you always look at me expectantly and I have no idea what to say. I'm, I'm not sure what you want me to say.
1: Well, I'm always looking to you for approval, Jeff. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: Well, well done. Okay. Now, I, now I know.
1: <laughs> Next time we'll do my Hollywood voice. <laughs> We'd like to thank Freem Venley In a world. In a world in which there is no beer. Uh, okay. Uh, so today, uh, we'd, uh, we're welcoming a special guest into the studio, uh, Brewer Jason Barbie. Is that how you pronounce it, Jason? That is, yep. Okay, good. Uh, I forgot to ask you before. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, like the doll, you
2: know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but not spelled that way. No, yeah. not spelled that way. Uh,
1: Jeff and I became aware of Jason when he was at Ex Novo, uh, which, uh, which was making a wonderful English-style ESB, oh, one of my all-time faves, and a dark mile that really caught our attention.
0: Yeah, actually, we drank the, it was called Stiff Upper Lip, and we drank it on the podcast years ago.
1: So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before he was head brewer there, Jason spent six years brewing at Deschutes. In 2016, he co-founded Level Beer with uh, Shane Watterson, Waters, Watterson, there's no tea there, Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, who brewed at Deschutes in Laurelwood, uh, and publican Jeff Phillips of Bailey's Taproom. Uh, we're going to talk to Jason about what it's like to try to be a champion of more delicate, balanced you could say, level beers. Oh, Jeff, your script is beautiful. Thank you, uh, thank you. When the world just wants another hazy IPA. Uh, all that next, but first, the news.
0: Molson Coors has announced some big changes the country's second largest beer company will be consolidating office headquarters from four to two locations and slashing its workforce in an effort to save $100 million, $150 million. Ooh. Yeah. The company will also focus on its craft brands and invest heavily in flavored malt beverages. And also of note, uh, it's changing its name from Miller Coors to Molson Coors. So, update your priors.
1: Yeah. I was always confused about this net nomenclature, right? Because in Canada, it was known as... Molson, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Yeah. And then there's Sab Miller in uh, Europe, which was purchased by ABI, but they had to spin off Miller Coors because of uh, antitrust things. And yeah, the reason I threw this in here was because it's interesting to me that this this company that makes a ton of beer um, is now going to double down on uh, craft. uh, Oh, flavor malt. uh, Mostly flavor malt beverages, I think. And, you know, to your point yesterday, or last, uh, in our last (laughs) pod, uh, which wasn't even yesterday uh, that we recorded that it was a brain fart. Um, you mentioned that that uh, that that thing of of uh, I can't, I'm not going to remember the the, <laughs> the concept where you 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 create a related prod, product.
1: Oh, economies of scope.
0: Economies of scope. Yeah. So uh, Molson Coors is doubling down on economies of scope. Yeah, there if you're you making
1: alcohol from malted grain, then why not? Yeah, make lots of other things. So it kind flavor of flavor them as you like. Ties in elegantly with our previous podcast. Yeah. Uh, next, we have some obscure but fascinating news about the highly idiosyncratic owner of Yorkshire's Samuel Smith Brewery, Humphrey Smith. Uh, Smith is famous for enforcing what the company calls a traditional, uncompromisingly Victorian aesthetic. I would call it more than just an aesthetic.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: banning all music, televisions, and cell phones in his pubs. Patrons using their phones or behaving badly have been summarily uh, 86 would But a month ago, Smith outdid himself. Visiting the newest of the company's 300 pubs, the refurbished Fox and Goose, outside of Worcester. Uh, uh, Humphrey overheard a customer swear. He promptly shut the pub down permanently. Yeah. A drinker witnessing the event said, Mr. Smith came in, had a drink, and seemed happy. But he said he heard a man talking to a woman, and the man swore. It wasn't aimed at him. It was nothing at all. He shut the pub for one swear word, taking all the money from the till and (laughs) safe. (laughs) <laughs> where did you come up with this one
0: yeah well it you know i the the antics of humphrey smith are a, a minor uh, interest to me so i'm always fascinated to see when he does something bizarre like that and yeah the, and the backstory is i mean that this pub had been refurbished uh it had been closed and the brewery you spent a lot of money to refurbish it and, and it had just barely gotten open uh and, and apparently that's why smith was visiting it and then You know, he's a a weird old crank. And so
1: (laughs) that's what happened. We spoke about the idiosyncrasies of this brewery uh, before because we visited it. Uh, And it's not just Victorian aesthetic. I mean, they basically run it as they would in Victorian days. They have draft horses and a stable and they still they still they still deliver their beer with using draft horses in in wood barrels to all their pubs.
0: And not only that, this is the most amazing thing. I look at Jason because I think he'll find this curious. Uh, it's a coal-fired brewery. They still use coal. And when you visit the pub on site, there's a coal-fire burning, which kicks off a weird petrochemical smell that I'm not so familiar with. Uh, they're definitely old school. That's just make tell- the
1: smell of Victorian London. Come on. That's right. It <laughs> smelled- <laughs> I bet you seen Mary Poppins. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. So anyway, that's – uh. That's what's, that's what's happening in
1: Yorkshire. All right, forget the news. Uh, let's move to our name our main topic, which is uh, Jason Barbie, who's in with us in the studio. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks a lot for coming down today.
0: So did we get the intro right? Is that informational accurate? Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> that's a first for Jeff.
0: <laughs> well, you know, every now and again, <laughs> broken clock and all that.
1: Uh, it it, it uh, sounded right. <laughs> is it? Uh, but it's interesting because we were in Bend uh, over the summer last spring. When were we in Bend? <laughs> This year, it was this year. Anyway, we're talking about the sort of uh, these old legacy brewers in Oregon and all of the the family tree that has uh, extended out. So you are another example of to shoot sort of so spawn, for sure spawning in the craft brew industry in New Oregon. So
0: yeah, uh, I also noticed as I was mocking up your uh, uh, bio that you've got a degree in Whitman in is, is this accurate biochemistry, biophysics, and molecular biology. That is correct. That seems incredibly badass. What does that mean? Uh,
2: I like chemistry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what what is biophysics? Uh, biophysics is just like the way that molecules interact in terms of like physical interactions and changes of energy and things like that. Uh huh. Um, it seems like this yeah. would be a good precursor to being a brewer. Yeah, biochemistry and mostly biochemistry and organic chemistry were like the two that really really helped with brewing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Did you, did you go straight into brewing after graduating?
2: No, I had no intention of being a brewer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I got that degree intending to go into medicine. Uh, and then I you know, got out of school, worked in a lab for a little bit, didn't really like doing research. So then I was doing uh, um, some, you know, helping with some uh, clinical research projects in the OHSU ER And so I was doing a bunch of volunteer work and then I was also volunteering at Dornbecker Children's Hospital and then uh, Deschutes opened their pub down the street from my apartment in the Pearl and I needed money also. So (laughs) uh, I took a job at Deschutes and then, you know, about two weeks after they opened, uh, they kind of came out and said, so I took a job just in the restaurant and then they came out and said, hey, you know, the brewer needs some help if anybody's interested and. I just kind of raised my hand and said, hey, I have a biochem degree, on, and I'd like to do that. And they were like, all right, come on back. So <laughs> I started brewing, and then I found that I you know, really enjoyed the brewery and was really enjoying what I was doing there, and I dreaded going to the hospital every day. Yeah. Um, so just kind of stuck around there. <laughs> That's really
0: interesting. Yeah. It's uh, kind of a shift in in, I mean... Brewing has historically been a working class job. In in Europe, you know, it's a, it's kind of a it's one of those guild things where you you, yeah. you go that way. So it's interesting to go from, you know, those that, that different track.
2: Yeah, 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 I mean I don't you know, I I I really liked craft beer and you know, like me and a couple of friends in college, you know, were really into craft beer, but you know, we tried our hand at home brewing like a couple of times and it weren't very good at it. So <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm one of, I'm one of the few brewers who like I I think I've probably home brewed like three times. I don't wow. Really, uh, not good at it. No. Huh. I mean, I've done it a couple of times since I started brewing professionally, helping friends, and those turn out pretty well. But, uh, you
1: know. but see, I think it's different because like in 94, 3, 93, when we started home brewing. Yeah, Patrick and I
0: have homebrewed together too. And we're also not good at it, which I now think maybe means that we'd be great commercially brewers. <laughs> <Well,
1: laughs> yeah. I was going to say the opposite, which was that you could be a mediocre home, home brewer, but still produce beer that was like decent relative to what you saw in the marketplace. But now forget it. I mean,
0: yeah, that's true. You yeah. can't. You and can't
1: that's, homebrew this stuff. And that's another
0: reason why I think our homebrew is not so good because we, we, this beer, like you make, that we, you know, we put ourselves to that standard is yeah,
1: not so good. Yeah, I don't know. there's yeah. a moment in which you realize that it's easier just to walk down to the store and buy, buy right. some beer. That's
2: And quite, it doesn't really good. cost anymore either. I feel like we, we started looking at no. homebrewing. Me and my friends in college is like, oh, we can save some money and, you know, we'll no. make our own beer. And then we were like, this is a lot of effort for the same cost and a worse product. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the
0: cost is marginally lower if you don't, in, if you if, if you count your uh, labor as zero. Yeah. Then yeah.
2: it's, you know, but if you have,
0: if your time is worth anything, it's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have kegs or anything, so we had to hand bottle everything, uh-huh. that drives the time factor way, way, way up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Patrick, when we started uh, homebrewing, he instantly
0: was way down on bottling little things, and he was, like, dragging oh. in huge vessels to, home, to, to bottle in, because he was, couldn't be bothered to <laughs>
1: sterilizing to, and It's bottled. like, I don't, yeah. <laughs>
0: yep. And he pioneered our transition to kegs.
1: Thank too. goodness for commercial brewers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it was six years at Deschutes, and then you yep. decided to start Level? Uh,
2: uh, no, so I went to Ex Novo from Deschutes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm missing a whole chapter. Yeah, sorry. No, it's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, go ahead. No, no. No, 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 no. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, at Ex Novo, uh, you were known for some British style. We talked about the AS, mm-hmm. ESB and the Dark Mild. So yeah, yeah. where did that interest come from? Exactly um, the question I was going to
2: Yeah, I guess I've, I've always really liked English beers. Uh, I think Deschutes definitely had an impact on that with their, you know, like the Bachelor ESB and Bachelor Bitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always really liked those beers. You know, they're not the most commercially viable things in the world, but they sure taste good. So, uh, you know, it was like as long as, you know, I I think we did a good job with the majority of the Spectrum at Ex Novo, and I was really happy with, you know, like the IPAs and stuff we were making, and those kind of paid the bills and then allowed me to do the other things that I really like to do, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good transition into uh, Level, which is an interesting brewery in that you continue to champion those smaller beers, the beers that are, uh, you know, maybe not quite on trend. you you have a, uh, mm-hmm. your flagships are a, a dry hop Saison, a dry hop Pilsner and an IPA.
2: Mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, two of those examples. Oh yeah. We kind of joke that our IPA like treads the line between strong pale and IPA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not super IPA either, but. Right. Uh,
0: so you know, uh, everybody's, everybody wants hazy IPAs. Everybody wants, you know, there's a real trend here. And, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because for there, there are, there are a lot of people who are interested in, in, you know, smaller, more delicate, more balanced beers. Um, you named your brewery level, uh, which I think is an, is sort of a, a a sly nod to (laughs) that kind of brewing. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're also a brewery. You also have to stay in business. You have yeah, bills yep. to pay and, you know, you want to, <laughs> you want to make money. And, yeah. uh, so cut, I, I'm cut. interested how, how you, you know, how you, uh, cut. Oh, I mean,
2: consequently we, we, we make the hazy, I mean, we make the whole spectrum, but, yeah. um, you know, but I guess we, we try to look at our tap list and, you know, try to keep a healthy balance between the things that we really want to make and the things that the consumers really want. Um, because, you know, I mean, obviously, like you said, we are a business, we need to make money. We need to make sure that we're keeping our customers happy. Um, which I mean, I also think part of that is making a diversity of styles makes it more interesting to come to the brewery and come and try the beers. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't think that I'm the only one out there who doesn't want to just drink, you know, big boozy IPAs all the time. Um, you know, I'm always a little disappointed if I go to a beer bar or something and, you know, Two thirds of the taps are IPAs, and then there's a handful of double IPAs and like two barrel aged things. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, and then there's like one either lager or pale ale or something like that. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting that beer, you know? Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, we definitely we do have a lot of hoppy options, and I think that a lot of people kind of misinterpret that we don't like IPAs or don't like hoppy beers. We really like hops a lot, and we really like hoppy beers. We just prefer to use a little gentler touch. Um, you know, we, we kind of, you know, we've joked that we're trying to make pale ale cool again mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, you know, like I really like hops and I really like hop flavor and hop aroma. I just don't need to get like beat in the face with them, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I like malt too, and that's
0: okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, well, we have some of your beers here and we should, we should, uh, crack one of the, yeah, the pails. I yeah. think that's
1: a good one. Um, since we're talking about pale, why don't we start with a pale? We yeah, should, sure. We just start drinking beer. This is pixelated pale. What should I know about it?
2: Uh, So it's... I find, I don't know, I find it kind of funny that, you know, people think of it as more old school of a malt bill now, and we're like, oh, this is like what pale ale was, you know, really not that long ago. Um, But it does have uh, a little bit of crystal malt in it, which has become like a bit of a faux pas. But but Yeah, so it's a uh, citra mosaic pale ale. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just... Citroen Mosaic. It's kind of a burnt orange color, uh-huh. um, so it does have you know a little more color to it. Yes. Uh,
0: so there are a lot of different kinds of caramel malts, and they do different oh, yeah. things in a in a beer. So yeah. talk about the one you used here and what you were shooting.
2: for. Yeah. So this one has, um, I want to say it's C40. Uh-huh. We, were, we were having beers with Van recently, and kind of joking, he was like, "This is why I write everything down." So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the caramel malt that we use in this, it's just to give it a little bit more depth and a little more complexity and help it retain a little more body. Uh-huh. Um, just cause we didn't want it to be thin, but we didn't want to kind of pump the body up with a bunch of protein adjunct. Right. Um, so the caramel malt in this lends itself to, uh, a little malty sweetness, a little bit of, uh, kind of caramel toffee, but like more towards the toffee end of caramel mm-hmm. than the like honey end of caramel. Right. Um, and we just thought that that played nicely, particularly with the mosaics. Uh, just being a bit of like a bolder danker hop, having a little bit of that kind of toffee character, yeah, works well.
1: Yeah, it has a bit of a new school old school mm-hmm. feel to it, right? It does
0: seem to me like uh, the pale ale got mm-hmm. stuck in this kind of cul-de-sac for a while, where that's really good. Uh, you know, the classic American craft beer Sierra Nevada pale, mm-hmm. the heavily, uh, you know, it's got a lot of big, a lot of caramel malts and it's got this really fixed. Uh, recipe. And so, you know, their, their neutral yeast, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the hopping, which now seems kind of restrained compared to, uh, you know, the, the balance point being much more towards the malt than the hops for modern palates. And, and one of the things that I liked about the, the, the pails that you were making, uh, when you opened and, and, and I think it evolved was bringing in the sessionability of a pale ale with, the modern presentation of the juiciness. Like Mm. everybody, including me, loves that, loves the way the hops, American hops really, uh, you know, are super juicy and have all that wonderful intensity. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's better to have a beer that you can have two or three of and still have that, that, that flavor impact without having so much booze and so much, uh, yeah, all that other stuff. So it seems like there are certain breweries that have really championed this kind of forgotten style and trying to bring it into the modern era. Yeah, uh, and so I, I give mean, you credit for that.
2: I definitely think that you know working at Deschutes played a big part in that. You know, both Shane and I coming from Deschutes. um, Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with what Patrick was just saying. Where it's kind of a new school meets old school. You know, where it's you know it definitely you know we drew some elements from you know beers like Mirror Pond and yeah. you know Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, where you know the malt bill is a bit more old school like that. Yeah. Um, we also kept a bit more bitterness than I think a lot of people are using these days because i don't mind a little bitterness in some of my beers um yeah. and especially hoppy beers you know I, I i like the bitterness in the finish um as long as it's you know reasonably balanced um so we tried to keep some of that but then you know we did we changed the hopping schedule to where you know a lot more of it's going in at the end so you do get a lot more of that yeah. you know big bright aroma and a lot more of that hop flavor mm-hmm. um it's but, my,
0: it's so. my theory that uh on the West Coast and in the Northwest, bitterness is an important part of the flavor pro- profile, and it's really different from New England, where mm-hmm. you know you're stripping out all, all the bitterness. That's the big thing is just completely yeah. without bitterness. Uh, do you? Am I right about that? Are, do You really? see that in other breweries? Is that that you just said you do that? But um, I, I mean,
2: I, t- I definitely tend to agree. I think, I think just you know, style wise, and as tastes have changed, you know, especially with the whole New England IPA, hazy IPA kind of thing coming onto the scene, I think everyone's gotten kind of frightened away from making anything that has any bitterness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that a lot of styles that traditionally have had bitterness have kind of had that stripped out of them just because of these beers that have a ton of hops and don't have any bitterness. I think yeah. that, you know, the other other styles have suffered because of the creation of those. Um, you, yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of bled into, you know, that that idea of not having bitterness is like, bled into other styles and I don't think that's great <laughs> right <So>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah you also have uh, a tap room out kind of past to the airport mm-hmm. uh, so you it's really nice to have a uh, retail outlet where you can actually interact with customers and yeah, yeah. Hear what they're hear what they're they're thinking yeah um, what are you seeing in, in terms of like if you were uh, we know kind of what the major trends are what are you seeing in, in terms of what you know uh, you, you offer a pretty wide range of mm-hmm different beers here is there interest in other things going on
2: um well you know when i first got here we were talking a little bit about czech dark lager uh so we did a we did a czech dark lager and it sold out very quickly which we were all pleasantly surprised by (laughs) (laughs) we did it as kind of a favor to our uh sales guy who was moving on he had been to the czech republic and was asking us to make one and we were like yeah sure you know (laughs) So we did it. It's kind of a favor to him, uh, but we all really liked it and it sold really well. So you know that was a pleasant surprise. Um, and we've done a Vienna Lager a couple of times. Yeah, um, I think you mentioned that when we first opened. Uh, you wrote a little Sherpa about our uh, Vienna Lager, and it's
0: got a what's its name? It's got a cool name.
2: Uh, get to the chopper. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I mean that beer does. I mean, you know, it doesn't do anywhere near as well as the IPAs do, but you know, beers like that they they do. Well enough that we can justify continuing to make them, which is really all we can ask for. So.
0: <laughs> right. It, you know, you get into this death trap where if you don't offer those beers, people can't develop a relationship to them. So mm-hmm. then they naturally die. Yeah. Uh, so if you offer them, you get a chance to, you know, that that it will build a following. But on the other hand, you know, it's a business and all that. So yeah. I'm I mean, sure it, there's a fine line.
2: I also think that it helps a little bit that, uh, you know, when regulars and customers and stuff come out, you know, they see all of the brewers drinking those things. And then, you know, we all, I don't know, we tend to hang around for a little bit after work and have a couple of beers and people are always kind of like, what are you guys drinking? And, you know, Uh, chat with us about it. And it gives us a really good opportunity to kind of, you know, present these styles to people that wouldn't normally drink them. Yeah. Um, And and
0: what do you, what do you tell, what are you drinking and what, what do you tell them why you're drinking those beers?
2: Um, I mean, lately we've been, I've honestly been drinking a lot of our red ale. I'm, I'm wow. really... Yeah, I know. I was talking about a throwback. Yeah, that's a real throwback. <laughs> but that's one that's done, like, surprisingly well for us. And huh. I don't know if it's just because other people have stopped making them or what. But, um, you know, we did an initial batch of uh, Hoppy Red Ale uh, as a collaboration with... uh Oh, what is it called? I'm like, the name of the beer is Beat It Creeps. And it was with uh, Not Okay PDX. Hmm. So they do, like, staff education on sexual harassment and dealing with difficult customers and things like that. Um, So we did the initial batch with them because Skagit Valley malt wanted us to make like a, they donated the malt. They wanted us to make, you know, something more malt forward, but still, you know, commercially viable. So we were like, oh, hoppy red ale, that'll be good. And then it did really well. So we brewed another batch of hoppy red ale and, you know, it's, it's, again, I think that, you know, people are kind of slowly starting to come back to the idea of having, you know, hops with some malt character right because uh, the two you know done right they can play really nicely together
0: yeah and especially so uh our listeners know you might not know our, our previous producer uh got really into uh craft malt and he went he left he left uh, x-ray to go uh, to valley malt in in <laughs> massachusetts to become a craft malter cool And i think we're seeing you know that's that's driving this new interest in uh malt profiles mm-hmm. in, in for brewers and that's cool that you you know Use Sketcher Valley.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great that consumers are starting to discover malt again, yeah. malt flavors, and, and starting to recognize and, and, and want them. Because for a while, we were <laughs> like, just dump a bunch of pills or malt and a ton of hops, and we're done. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, a lot of these styles are kind of funny because, you know, I did an IPA when I was at Ex Novo that was you know, kind of the classic, you know, two row, a bunch of Munich, like the really old school. And then I used all, you know, classic hops, and, you know, all these guys in their 20s were like, this is so good. And I'm like, this is what every IPA tasted like. You know? <laughs> Just everybody went away from it for so long that, you know, you bring some of those things back and everybody's like, wow. And you're like, yeah, see, it is good. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think those things like any
0: beer, uh, I think they had balance problems. So mm-hmm. when they weren't made well, you know, they were a ton of really cakey malts and a ton of real harsh bitterness and yeah. they kind of fought it fought it out but if you yeah. if you find the balance point of those
1: it's, yeah uh, they work really well yeah mm-hmm. there's a reason we all drank those back yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> yeah uh, actually I want to shift gear for a second I just I'm curious to ask about how you came up with sort of the aesthetic for the brewery you have this sort of retro gaming yeah uh, uh, motif your your uh, dry hop saison is called ready player one dry hop Pilsner is let's play and IPA uh, is game on mm-hmm. and we just had the pixelated pale yeah so How did you come up with this? What, is this just personal passions or?
2: Yeah. So I guess we kind of, I wouldn't say fell into. So our, when we first were, you know, coming up with all of our branding and everything, our graphic designer sent myself and my two partners home with homework. And he was like, you know, I want you to write down, you're like brands, whose branding you really like brands Uh that you really don't like. And, you know, then I'm going to, you know, try to come up with something we all kind of discovered we were we all came back and we were like we really like vans Atari and Star wars like, <laughs> three kind of common things that we all really liked in terms of brands so our graphic designer came back with you know our our main logo and then uh you know with the beers it was like you know he he'd always present us with like three options or kind of three kind of potential avenues to go down for each beer and right. you know we kept looking at him we were like oh well, we really like this one so we picked the kind of you know, Pac-Man themed one for let's play. Um, and then, you know, the very much Mario brothers influenced one for uh game on. And then, you know, we were for a little bit, we were like, okay, we really need to get away from the gaming thing. Cause we don't want to just get pigeonholed as, you know, like the gaming brewery. <laughs> and then he kept coming back with three. And we all kept liking the gaming One of them we just like, I guess we're the gaming brewery. <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of gave up on fighting it. And then, you know, I mean, it turns out it leads to a lot of fun beer names. Uh, you know, there's a lot you can do with that. And then I guess we've broadened it slightly to include just '80s and '90s in general. Uh, like "Sweep the Leg" is a Karate Kid reference, and kind of absolutely, of, oh yeah, yeah. Patrick like and a, I know "Sweep the Leg." <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a mashup of Asahi and Karate Kids. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so we started kind of trying to branch out into more than just gaming, but it's it's very much like a retro theme, and you know, it's. Jeff, Shane, and I are all kind of children of the 80s and 90s. And um, mm-hmm. it turns out a lot of the craft beer drinkers, you know, I guess it's kind of a win-win because that era is very in vogue with the young people right now. And then it's also when a lot of our target audience was young. So, you know, we kind of get to play off of it being hip and cool and it also being nostalgic. Right. right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I'll just throw in a personal anecdote. My grandfather was an engineer in Silicon Valley early on, hardware kind of guy. But he ended up actually working for Atari or uh in the early days wow. and and i i on a few occasions got to go to the uh the atari headquarters and in, into their gaming room and get to play all the atari games and that's awesome that was fun that i was just so amazed because you could just hit the button you have to put a quarter and you just hit the button and it Started. <laughs> 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 yeah so i great. know all the old late 70s early 80s atari stuff totally yeah. All right. Uh, It
0: looks like you're uh, sidling over to Edwino with something new here.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, you uh, mentioned Sweep the Leg, so I decided to grab Sweep the Leg, uh, which is a Japanese-style rice lager.
0: And I noticed that you actually have uh, some, I think, katakana here. What is that? Does it just say Sweep the Leg?
2: Yeah. So that says Japanese-style rice lager, and then it says 43.45 or the the rest of the kanji that's on there is the number is 4345. <laughs> and <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> uh we put it on a lot of our cans actually. It's like a little easter egg. Oh,
0: um uh-oh, are we outing your easter egg? No, 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 it's, no, it's
2: totally fine. <laughs> we we've not very many people have noticed it and it's funny cuz someone from Japan actually emailed us and said, you know, "Hey, why does this say 4345 on it?" Um so it's again to the retro thing. It's pager code. Uh, uh, so 43 is FU, and then 45 is the 45th president. So yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, you know, oh, that's a little old school pager coat. So, like, yeah, on game on, the high score is 43 45. Uh, 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 I'm like, where is it on this one? I know it's on. I think it's on, sweep, or on Let's Play somewhere, but yeah, it's on a lot of our
1: cans. There's 4345.
0: That's very clever. Hidden, now we know the look. somewhere.
1: Well, now, yeah. now that you've added it, the ATF's all of a sudden going to deny your labels. Now. Oh,
2: it turns out the TTB really likes all the of T-T-B our start, labels. Yeah. So oh, really? All, all the ones. Yeah, it's funny because, well, they have lots of problems with lots of our labels, but uh, <laughs> the the ones that have been directly mocking Trump, so like Stable Genius and Extremely Stable Genius. And uh, we did one other one. I don't remember which one, but. Uh, those ones have like come back with no feedback. They've just gotten right through. Wow. And, like, when we first submitted Stable Genius, we were like, no like you way. know, on the can, it says, you know, like billions and billions and billions of hops and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and, we, were, and we were like, there's no way they're going to let us say this. And like, it just went right through. They were like, yeah, great. Approved. And we were like, oh, okay. So. <laughs> uh, Apparently whoever uh, looked travelers. at that, uh, yeah.
0: they, they they understood that was not to be taken. Literally. Well, they got
2: furloughed for a while. So they were probably just kind of mad, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah, so you know, that the, all of the all of the labels like that have
0: another case of the deep state working against our president, uh, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yep.
1: They're everywhere. Uh So, this is a Japanese style lager. It's mm. light, and bright.
0: I can I, I'm not tasting beer because of health issues right now, so I'm smelling beers and uh this has a wonderful it's we, very
2: lagery. It's very <laughs>
0: yeah. that's the thing. It's got, you know, we always talk about uh lager yeast not being neutral and not contributing much, but just in the nose it's very clear this is a lager like there's Mm -hmm. lager yeast contributes a lot
2: yeah i think yeah i think lager yeast just you know i think people are so used to yeast being really estuary and producing a lot of esters and that being like the character they expect and lager yeast i think make a lot of really interesting sulfur compounds Mm. um they just kind of get forgotten yeah but i mean lager yeast really do have like a distinct identity they do Um,
0: and this one no, if you buy a sweep the leg and, and put your nose in it. you'll smell lager yeast so i'm pretty ignorant
1: so can you tell me how you use rice in this
2: uh so we use i guess there's lots of different ways people can use rice but um, we don't have a rice cooker mm-hmm. um, so rice has a different gelatinization point right. than barley does so we have to buy pre-gelatinized okay. um, which we buy you know, we experimented with a bunch of different products so we tried a bunch of flaked products and a bunch of other pre-gelatinized things, and we found that the uh, we like the torrified jasmine rice okay. as well. All right. So we go, torrified jasmine rice is our rice <laughs> of choice. Um, yeah, and then we, you know, this started out as just a pilot batch that we did where, you know, we were like, oh, you know, we could make like a, you know, Japanese-style rice lager just to make something like super crushable. Mm. But we used a tiny bit of uh, motueka, which is a uh-huh. New Zealand hop. Um, just a, we were like, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have like a really light drinkable lager with just like a hint of hops in it. And yeah. it's very light on the hopping, but, uh,
1: but it's super flavorful.
2: Yeah. So there's a little bit of Motueka and then we started adding in the latest batch, in the latest couple batches, we added a little bit of Sabro, mm-hmm. uh, which gives a little bit of mm-hmm. coconut. Mm. So we we're like, oh, you know, a little faint hint of tropical fruit and coconut seemed yeah. like a good idea in a Japanese rice lager.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I love that.
0: As a fan of the 80s also, I have to say that <laughs> your, your, your use the, of the, the Cobra Kai,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the Cobra on here, no mercy, it's uh, yeah. very nice. Now, yeah, for, the,
2: for the launch party of this, we did it at the Nerd Out, and uh, we watched Karate Kid. Uh, of but. course. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, a classic, Paint very yeah. dated, very dated in yeah. an amusing way. Yeah.
2: yeah. It turns cool. out everyone in the bar, when he said, sweep the leg, Johnny, everybody was like, yeah, and held <laughs> their beers up and cheering and we were like, yeah, hey, look, like, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, totally. Yeah. I feel like mostly we, I don't know, most of our names and stuff are just us trying to amuse each other and then it's it we act- just hope that other people like it too, which seems to be working. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and it also works so well with the brand because they're on point with the brand. Uh, and you don't have to invent weird names. Many other breweries in this, because of the trademark issue mm-hmm. are in the position of having to come up with bizarre names that don't mean anything. Yeah. And they, and nobody can even remember what they are. Uh, so you kind of cleverly stumbled onto a way to have names that are meaningful to the brand, uh, that probably also easily pass trademark. Pro- like yeah. No one has sweep the leg probably. That's yeah. one of those ones that, yeah, yeah. yep, that's free. What do you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it makes it, you know, even, Exactly what you're saying is true. Same thing with coming up with the name level. Um, uh, you know, our actual LLC isn't level; it's like a DBA. Because okay. you know, we needed to incorporate before we could come up with a name for the brewery. But we had yep. kind of a list of criteria. I mean, I think we went through sixty or eighty names before we came before we settled on level. And you know, one of our criteria was like, okay, it can't be more than two words because it needs to be easy to remember, easy to say. Right. You know, we were like, we don't need one of these, you know, super long names. Right. Turns out we're, and you know, it's one of those, like, we're good at making funny names for beers, but those don't work very well for a company. No. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah that's right. We were like, it needs to be something that, you know, 10 years from now, we're still going to be like, oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now it's a great word because it, it can mean multiple things, which oh, is, totally. which yeah. is very nice for a brewery. It doesn't mean a very specific thing, which can become dated, you know, mm-hmm. like. Fix you in time and place. Yeah. Uh. And it and it and then it creates this platform from which you can work in yeah. a bunch of different directions. It was very clever.
2: Plus, our designer liked it a lot because he was like, "It's really easy to design around."
1: Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, <laughs> good too. It's <laughs> a palindrome, which yep. we can
0: take advantage of. Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh. So we're drinking Japanese style lager, and you were mentioning that you actually sell a fair amount of beer in Japan. Can mm-hmm. you tell me how that got started, and what kind of beer do the Japanese like to drink?
2: Um. I mean. I guess it got started. We sold a tiny bit there when I was at ex novo and shane sold a little bit there when he was at laurelwood Mm -hmm. um but you know i don't it was always kind of a you know like oh well you know we got a little extra stuff we'll see what they want so we reached out to you know kind of our stateside contact and we're like hey you know we started a new brewery would be would you guys be interested and then so you know like the initial order was pretty small and then i think that just our branding has resonated there Mm -hmm. really well Mm -hmm. um you know, we kind of, I, I guess I, I always end up telling people like, yeah, you know, like the branding is super important. Um, I was talking, I don't remember who I was talking about the other day, but I was uh, talking with a marketing guy the other day and he was like, yeah, brewers usually are not very into branding and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you know, the branding is what sells the beer the first time. And then the beer is what sells the beer the second time, right. you know? So it's like, we need somebody to look at that beer and pick it off the shelf. Um, and I think that that's worked really well for us both here and in Japan where, you know, the, you know, the whole retro gaming thing and everything is really big over there um so we've done quite well with you know sending lots of beer over there and in terms of what they buy uh you know we were talking about before you know before we started uh they buy everything which is a very pleasant surprise you know i mean here you know we make everything but we've got you know a five barrel system well yeah like effectively a five barrel system and a 20 barrel system Mm -hmm. and you know, we sell the vast majority of what gets distributed stateside comes off the twenty barrel system. It's all you know IPAs, pale ales, things like that. Um, yeah. And then the little system allows us to make you know like the check dark loggers and things like that. Right. And uh, our Japanese distributor buys tons of that stuff, which is really fun for us. And and it's always surprising because you know we you know we made a we made a beet saison like a fall saison with beets in it. Hmm. And the Czech Dark Lager, you know, so we always send him a list of like, these are the things that are available. And, you know, the two beers, the two draft beers that he chose to buy this last time where he bought the entire batch of Czech Dark Lager and <laughs> <laughs> half the batch of beet Saison, which we were like, well, that certainly, certainly, you know, I didn't see that coming. but <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, you know, and then we we've done, I guess, because our name has gotten out a little bit over there. And, uh. You know, we just get really, we just get along really well with our Japanese distributor. So we've, he sent tons of brewers over. So we do lots of collabs with breweries in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a ton of visitors coming over from Japan. So right. I mean, I think we're probably averaging, you know, one to two Japanese collabs a month. Wow, like that so wow, oh, oh,
1: yeah. that's great. It's an important market for you. Yeah. yeah, interesting. All right, so we have to take a, a moment to do some business here. So uh, before we go any further, we'd like to thank Freem Family Brewers for sponsoring the Beervana podcast. Freem has a new slate of beers coming out soon, including Lamure, a blend of fresh Oregon fruits left to mingle with this white wine barrel aged ale. Aromas of blackberry pie and limoncello with notes of acai and white pepper provide a little mixing and mingling goes a long way. Prove a little mixing and mingling goes a long way.
0: (laughs) And juicy IPA. Freem's West Coast spin on a, on the trend that started in New England. Juicy IPA features big, fruity aromas of peach and star fruit and jammy notes of orange sherbet, papaya, and white grape.
1: Well done. Yeah. Now <laughs> back to regular scheduled programs. no
0: way. How much do you export to Japan?
2: Uh, it varies month to month. Um, I'd say we probably average... Uh, so they buy 20 liter kegs and Uh so we, you know, probably average 30 or 40, 20 liter kegs and 150 cases of packaged stuff a month. Huh? Something like that.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know that American craft brewers are trying to find export markets that work, but that's, that's substantial. Yeah. That's pretty cool. we've,
2: We've kind of stumbled into a couple where, you know, Japan was the one that we really sought out and then, uh, you know, through just like friends in the industry. We sent beer to China, the Netherlands, and I think we're about to send our first shipment to Australia. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Got to give ourselves excuses to go fun places. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> that's a cool thing.
1: Alright, I'm going to open another beer, and this is one you brought uh, in a crowler, yeah, yeah. This is the retro haze, so mm-hmm. you're not immune to market pressures.
2: It's not hazy though. <laughs>
1: it's oh, just it's retro. <laughs> all
0: right. It's like one of those things where you put IPA on it. And it's not an IPA. You yeah. put haze on there, and it's the re- I mean, the retro. If you if you deconstruct the word, then you uh, the term, then you actually see what's going on there.
2: Yeah. If if I'm being truthful, we tried a different hazy yeast in this, and then it just fell bright. So we were like, Oops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. So then we
2: we're like, all right, well. How do we sell this? And we're like, well, it's got all the.
1: There's nothing wrong it's with got bright all, beer. Oh, I know, but we, we were kind of
2: like, yeah, it's got all the hop character of a of a hazy IPA, but you know, oh, with, yeah. but it's, you know, so then we were, we kind of decided to play that up a little bit. We we're like, that's why it's retro is because it's bright, right?
1: right yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's got a tiny bit of haze in it, but yeah.
0: If a yeah. beer if a beer is juicy as juicy as a hazy IPA, but does not have the haze. Are you finding that people like them as well, or does, does that no. haze really? They don't like them as well. They they need
2: the haze. <laughs> yeah, they like
1: the, haze. the visual cue is <laughs> yeah. important. huh? Yeah,
2: yeah, and this one, mm. you know, it's a, mm. it's dry. Yeah, so we call it a session hazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like it smells really good. The hopping of a hazy uh, it tastes really good
0: too. Just sit over here and smell this for a minute. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I guess I would say our our hazies in general we're not we're not at the same hopping pound per barrel as right a lot of other people are. Um. We've just kind of found that if you if we go too, too heavy with the dry hop, mm-hmm. um, you get this kind of crushed vitamin, like mm-hmm. raw hop character mm-hmm. where the beers yeah. smell amazing. And then as soon as you taste them, they all taste the same. And right. I just don't really care for that. Uh, and we found that, you know, we can get an aroma that we're really happy with, but also have a beer that we think tastes really good uh, if we keep it a bit more restrained. So we we tend to go a little lighter on the hopping than is kind of industry standard right now, I would say, for those styles of beer.
1: Um, but you get a, you get a, a pretty saturated flavor, but then it, 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 it's a bit dry. So it, mm-hmm. it sort of, it finishes on your mouth really clean yeah. and crisp. Yeah. So it's really nice. So you're just like immediately ready for another blast. Yeah.
2: Right? yeah we and just kind of, we kind of stumbled into this. I mean, we've been calling them session hazies, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of the, the low ABV, you know, it's the same kind of, I would say conceptually, it's the same as a hazy IPA in terms of like hopping and grain bill and stuff but um we just use you know we like i like i was just saying we we tone the hops down a bit because we think we can get a a better structure um using less than if we just go for it Mm -hmm. um so you know we've been kind of playing with that a little bit um And then I guess we've played with a couple other hopping things that we think have really played, like made it so that the finish on the beer is really nice. Cause that was the thing that we were struggling with the most with the hazy IPAs was just, you know, like I was just saying, they smell great. The initial taste is pretty good. And then just the finish on them is, it just falls apart. Um,
0: And that's because they're for your palate. They're too sweet.
2: I think it's a combination of a lot of them are too sweet. And like I was saying, I think if you go too heavy with the dry hop, then you wind up with this just like, it's just too much raw hop. Um, so you wind up with this kind of crushed vitamin muddled, like raw hop character that comes through in the finish. And I don't really like that. Yeah. Uh, Kind of sits on your tongue and yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, and it's one of those things where for all of the, you know, talk of these beers not being bitter, I think that they actually are pretty bitter. They're just also incredibly sweet. Right. So you don't realize how bitter they are. (laughs) Right. Um,
0: and you're getting that bitterness that comes from uh, the the polyphenols and the humulinones and other things, rather than the kind of yeah bright bitterness you get from a bitter charge of the in the, in the cattle. So it's a different yeah. kind of bitterness, which yeah people relate to that differently. I personally don't like it as well.
2: I don't like it as well either. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's where you know, like a beer like this kind of came in, where you know we at least discovered you know that. The first batch of one of these we did on the pilot system and, you know, all of the brewers, none of us really drink the hazy IPAs. And we made this, We, you know, we made one of these and we were like, you know, it came out at five and a half percent. And, you know, we all kind of smelled it. We're like, oh, it smells really good, but it's probably going to have that same flavor. And then we tried it. We were all like, oh. <laughs> and then, you know, and then all that was like all, all of us drank for like two weeks. And we were all like, oh, no. you know, You know, we've been converted to the dark side kind of thing and then you know but you know it's fun chatting with customers about it and we're like yeah. no you know it's different because it's you know lower alcohol lower hop load and, and and honestly i do think that it's a different beer you know i mean i think it is yeah you know kind of to the to the marketing aspect you know calling it a hazy helps sell it a lot um but it's not it definitely doesn't fit in that same flavor profile
1: yeah, yeah. that clean finish just creates an incredible moorishness about this beer you just want to keep
0: and it's it's only five percent, so it is yeah, by American standards pretty pretty yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You just want another sip as soon as it goes.
0: It th- this is the one that's got the sabro in it, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really got a coconut nose.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: I've been we've been really you know we just kind of started messing around with those you know for fun where you know we contracted a decent amount of them just because they sounded interesting and then we've been kind of trying to find a home for them and you know we made a couple of beers with sabro in them that they either didn't really add anything consequential or, you know, we didn't really care for them. And then we kind of, you know, we tried them in a session hazy Mm -hmm. and I think the first one we did was like citrus or I think it was citrus sabro, something like that. And we were like, Oh, you know, using them in the way that we used them in that, we were like, Oh, you just get this really nice, like coconut note at the finish. And, you know, it plays really nicely with citrus and things like that. So, um, you know, we're big fans of strata. So we use a lot of strata hops, Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so I if memory serves this is a Citra Strata Sabro.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. We uh when we when we did our Bend tour uh for the podcast, we went to uh, Cracks and they had an all Sabro beer. Mm-hmm. And it was intense and weird and not super pleasant. Like yeah. as, a, as a solo hop. <laughs> yeah. And then we went to Deschutes and they had one that was uh Sabro and Citra mm-hmm. and it worked really well together. So yep. I think those 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 two hops for some reason are like you know, they're born to be paired together
2: we've played with it with um a couple new zealand hops and a couple other things also that we've mostly what we found with the sabro is you know you just can't use very much yeah (laughs) it's like you know know, i don't know know, a a light hand with sabro and turns out it's a it's great at playing second fiddle
0: yeah okay that's good to know i mean with whenever they release new these new hops you know there's a a lag time as brewers are trying to figure out how to use them oh for sure are they whirlpool hop are they dry hop what you know where are we going to put these yeah can they go alone how yeah. yeah all that stuff
2: i mean we got in pretty early with strata too i mean we were kind of joking i think you know we contracted like four percent of the world's strata hop or something <laughs> like that a year or two ago which you know was not very many hops but it was still right. you know for the amount of strata there was it was like we contracted a ton right um you know it was a hop that we You know, Shane and I have been doing this long enough that, you know, we went and, you know, we were smelling new hops and the guys at Indie Hops were like, yeah, we got this new hop that we're really excited about. And, you know, when we first smelled it, we were instantly just like, that's going in a (laughs) Pilsner. And so that's Let's Play. So Let's Play is our, you know, Strata Dry Hop Pilsner.
0: Yeah. And that's been a beer that you have, uh, you, you launched the brewer. you had, Let's Play. Uh, ready
2: Ready player one was the first beer that we had in cans. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. But you've been fans of Pilsners since the start, and Loggers, yeah, you've yeah. been real champions for that, and mm-hmm. I assume that means you're selling them.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's play. Let's play sells great. I mean, realistically, the only reason that we started with dry hop saison was we wanted to make dry hop Pilsner, yeah, but we yeah, were yeah. worried that Pilsner was going to take too long. Uh huh. So we were like, all right, well, what's a what's in the same vein but faster? Right. So we settled on dry hop saison, and then, you know. So we were doing dry Hot Pilsner in draft, and then it was doing so well in draft, and everybody liked it so much that we were like, "All right, well, we'll just can this one too." So
0: <laughs> excellent! It's so exciting to me. Portland weirdly uh, sells a ton of Pilsner. Like you, mm-hmm. so many breweries that are known for their uh, uh, IPAs and hoppy beers are selling, re- you know, quite a bit of Pilsner. I mean, mm-hmm. Frames sells Pilsner, Brakeside sells Pilsner. These breweries yeah. that. Are not known necessarily as lager breweries are selling a lot of pilsners. So yeah, it's, I, I've joked it's our secret power. So I'm glad to hear you. Oh yeah, There's I mean we, <laughs> yeah,
2: we sell we sell yeah we sell a lot of pilsner and you know we've done German pilsners and Czech pilsners. Um, yeah, we sell and you know it's nice because that also just allows us to keep lager yeast going. Right, so, right. You know it's nice to just be able to keep making lagers. and you know we don't always sell a ton of them, but <laughs> <laughs> you know they sell well enough to be viable. So it's it's great. Yeah.
0: And you don't uh, only sell (laughs) Session beers and IPAs. You also do some pretty interesting uh, uh, projects. And you bought a bottle of one of these. Yeah. uh, Which is called Level 2. And talk about this beer.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So we did that one for our second anniversary. Shutterstock. Uh, Yeah. So So I like the label. label. (laughs) You got to read the description for the label to really make sense. Okay. (laughs) uh, We were trying to make... So the label... We did pay for the image. It, it's a shutter image, but we told our graphic designer to leave all the shutter stack on there uh-huh. because we wanted to make it look like as campy as possible. <laughs> yeah. So we chose what we thought looked like a really hoity-toity picture, and then left all the shutter stacks. Okay, stuff so, so I'll, read,
1: I'll read the label. It says "bière noire." Ale spontaneously fermented in oak barrels on Pinot Noir grapes. Brewed for our second anniversary. We spent all our budget on ingredients and couldn't afford to buy this image. Classy (laughs) AF.
2: Level up. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So the image is just a guy drinking like a really... Snooty looking hipster, snooty guy. Guy. <laughs> yeah, hipster guy. Yeah, he looks he, drinking a cup of coffee
0: in the library. A, reading a book. Yeah, drinking a cup of coffee. He's like hipster. He also, he sort of also reminds me of like a 70s, like a guy in a leisure suit kind of thing. Yeah. Very, uh, uh, kind of fake version of a sophisticated. Yeah. Oh, you have
1: an empty glass? I have another one here. Um, oh, like. Yeah, I, I just drank
2: that. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Turns out I'm go. good at drinking beer. <laughs> Excellent. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so this one, we did it for our second anniversary, so we bought a bunch of, so we got a bunch of Pinot Noir grapes, and then we put them into former Pinot Noir barrels, and then we just, so we came up with a kind of turb, the best we could do for a turbid mash on our pilot system, which being small enough, we could do kind of a pseudo turbid mash, mm-hmm. uh, so we did that, and then we just pumped wort directly into the barrel and let it ferment with whatever yeast and bacteria was on the grape skins. Mm-hmm. So, very, we thought that was fun. And it,
0: it's really cool. Our friend uh, Jason Collar at uh, Solera does fruit mm-hmm. fermentations, and it always strikes me as a wonderful way to do wild fermentation. That's a little bit less like totally random. Yeah. You know, you're yeah, using yeah. You're, you're you know you're definitely getting yeast in the wort if you put fruit in there with
2: with yeah. it on the skin. Uh, yeah, and it also
0: gives it a character of, of terroir because, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting that straight out of the vineyards in this case.
2: Yeah. So this one, I don't know. We, we all kind of joke. We're like, you know, it tastes like rosé. <laughs> 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 like, Turns out we all like rosé, though. So. All right. Hey, man. Everybody <laughs> likes rosé right yeah, now. it's like a sparkling
1: rosé, but. <laughs> it's interesting. There's a lot of yeast character, but it's really clean. I mean, it's not like barnyardy or any kind of weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How long did you leave it in the barrel? You probably just said that, but I, uh, I was, it was about note. a year. About a year. So, mm-hmm. plenty of time for the bread to express itself. Yeah. Yeah,
1: mm, yeah that's which is really good. It smells yeah. really good. It smells like
0: yeah. a kind of beer that I can't fully uh, do a forensic analysis with you know, my nose, though. So, I'm missing <laughs> something
1: important. Yeah, the grape really shines through, but it's not overwhelming in the, in the really nice, sour. Yeah, I think balance. That. But.
2: Yeah, so I think the, the acid levels came out really nicely where, yeah. you know, it's not too acetic, not too lactic. There's, you know, just enough acid to make it kind of pop mm-hmm. um, without being overbearing. And, you know, it, it finished relatively dry, but it, I st- think it still comes through really fruit forward. Yeah. definitely. Um, which, you know, we've noticed that just having cider on top of the brewery that, you know, you can have, you know, I think depending on how the fruit is fermented, you can have, you know, things that are dry and they lose all their fruit character mm. or really sweet and still taste a lot like fruit, but it's hard to hit that balance where yes. it's reasonably dry, but still tastes like the fruit. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to claim that we did any of that on purpose. We're just happy with how it turned out, but you <laughs> well, know, <laughs> when you make
0: these kinds of beers, yeah. you don't do anything on purpose. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I mean, like I
2: said, we just shove grapes in a barrel, put we in there. So I mean, yeah. we crossed our fingers, but you have
0: to really uh, trust nature. Yeah, but, uh, you know. Yeah, you have a, a degree in this, so yeah, you're you're yeah. apparently a whisperer <laughs> of these things. I guess. it yeah. has a re- <laughs> the aroma. It has is uh, not exactly like Brett, but something very wild in there. There's something kind of I don't funky and I don't know what to call it, but it, there's something really wild in there. Mm-hmm. I always think it I, smells I would like smells a little
2: funkier than it actually tastes. Yeah, yeah I'm not the surprised. Tongue, it's very clean. It's, yeah, yeah.
0: It has a. It has an unusual, the, the wildness is an unusual, not Brett like wildness. Yeah. So, I don't know. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I, wish, I really oh. wish I could taste
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Soon> <laughs> well, we've got, soon uh, yeah, soon. I'll say we. They'll make more. We Yeah. So, we, we bought some Grundies. So, we put, uh, we've got a peach and a cherry version of the same process that'll be coming out.
0: Wow. You have Grundies. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Where'd, yeah. You, where'd you find Grundies? Old school Grundies. <laughs> that's very cool.
2: Uh, John over at Agile Stainless found them and then, you know, Hit us up and was like, these seem like a kind of thing that you guys would want to buy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, we were like, yeah, we'll buy those. Yeah, so, yeah. So we bought three of them, and you know, we were just like, oh, this would be great because you know, we kind of viewed it as, you know, we don't always want oak in these beers, but uh-huh. yeah. you know, traditionally, unless you're going to tie up a tank, which most people don't want to do, you know, you're kind of relegated to having an oak, you know, at least aging it in oak to some extent. So right, right. With the Grundies, we were like, oh, this would be cool because we can do effectively, you know, like a no Oak Chardonnay, but with, you know, fruited beers. Yeah. And yeah brett beers and things like that. So yeah. So we're doing that and then we're working on a collab with uh Dwine L Country Ales right now that mm-hmm. I think we're gonna put like a brett table beer into the last Grundy that needs something in it. So very, very <laughs> cool.
0: Brett table beer. See, that seems like a level beer to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm
2: talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So in, in case you don't know what Grundy's are, they're these old English fermenters that are kind of squat and they have these little, they look kind of like something out of Jules Verne. They're really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it
2: looks like a Dalek. But like a what? A Dalek. What's a Dalek? Speaking of English things. <laughs> it's the bad guy from, the or bad what, guy well, from, the bad guy's from Doctor Who. From Doctor Who, come <laughs> oh, on. Man. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm not a Doctor Who guy. But you're such a
1: gaming geek. I, I can, know, I, I know. I <laughs> people's nerdism has limits. Everybody's does, Every, right? Everybody's a nerd, but in their own way. That's right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask you because I read a few days ago that you're opening up a tap room in Multnomah village. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So tell us about that.
2: Uh, I'm really excited about it cause I live in Multnomah village. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. I makes a, sense.
0: I have a really good friend who does too. And he's, i um, he sent out a text or yeah text saying oh, look at this it's opening up I'm like yeah that's super cool it's a good yeah. brewery you're going to be love that yeah
2: so. yeah so i guess i'm i'm you know we've been looking for a place to put a second location just you know i mean the more beer we can sell through our own taps the better and right. you know it's then you know we get to con- you know we control the beer we control the experience and you know we just quite frankly make more money on it if we sell it ourselves yeah yeah um so you know it's all wins for us so um you know, we've been looking around. We looked at a couple places and closer in, uh, like closer in East Side, like Northeast and Southeast. And um, you know, for us, we don't we don't want a kitchen, um, so we're not looking to run a restaurant. So you know, right. some of the spaces kind of we got excluded from because you know they've got a kitchen and all this stuff that we don't want. Um, and I mean, selfishly, I've been pushing for Multnomah Village because yeah, I because li- I, I live in Multnomah Village and you know, like my neighbors and I, you know, we will get like, we all have little kids and it's like, you put your kids to bed and you're like, let's go get a beer somewhere. Then we'll head yeah. out and there's, you know, either nothing open or, you know, it's one kind of, you know, bar that we're just like, eh, I don't really want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are the options.
0: So. Right. Uh, and on the West side, so this, for people who don't know Portland, this is on the West side of Portland. And for some reason, I don't have any idea why, but West side, uh, Portland residents do not support local breweries the way they do on the East side. And so the, the penetration of craft beer on the West side is really low by, by yeah. per capita. So, um, this will, uh, you know, there's Sasquatch, there's a Lucky Lab over there. Yeah. Lucky Lab, not too far from your location.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a Lucky Lab that'll be, you know, I don't know. I think of everything in terms of like walking. Cause I look at it and it's like, yeah, it's like a five minute walk, if that, from where we're going to be. Right. Um, but I mean, they're really the only thing. I mean, Sasquatch is a mile away, which... It's through a bunch of hills and busy roads. It's not like just a mile of neighborhood or anything like that. So Sasquatch is kind of close, but yeah, I mean, you know, look at just, you know, kind of the same way that we wound up where we are on the east side, you know, we looked at kind of what's nearby, you know, when we opened our brewery on the east side. So, uh, Jeff, my partner used to be a city planner in California and, you know, he was, he did a little digging and he was like, yeah, you know, in like lots of areas of Portland, you know, there's a brewery every like one mile yeah is like the average and when we first opened level we were the only brewery for a five mile radius yeah so you know we were just like okay there's nothing out here so (laughs) and you know with that you know we also wanted to be on a big property and have you know like a lawn and things like that so to Uh get two, so we're on two acres out there and you know to get two acres in portland you got to go to like way out portland yeah (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of joke, we're like, we are as, literally as far north and as far east as you can go and still be in Portland. Oh, is so. that true?
0: You were like in Trout after that or something?
2: Uh, Gresham. So like okay, migration migration is like a mile from us and they're in Gresham. Gotcha. Right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, which they opened up since that five mile thing. But yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, we were just looking at like, you know, in... The area where I live and just living there, I was like, yeah, there just isn't anything like this over here. You know, we've got John's Market, which is an awesome uh-huh. beer bar, or like an awesome beer market. You know, they have a phenomenal selection, but you know, they don't have the same draft offerings that we're planning to have. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple of bars, but you know, one of them caught on fire and has been shut down for a while. And so there just really aren't a lot of options. Um, so we looked at a couple of spaces and then the space we ended up getting, uh, a friend of mine actually owns the building. and you know, we were just kind of walking by going from like one spot we were looking at to another spot that was available. And I was like, my buddy owns this and it looked empty. So I just texted him and was like, Hey man, what's going on with that? And he was like, <laughs> funny, you should ask, you know, it's available at the beginning of next month. Uh, we we're wow. like, Oh, well.
0: So when are you opening?
2: Um, that's a good question for the city, but <laughs> ah, <yes. laughs> we are hoping for, yeah, yeah. So we're hoping for beginning of December. Okay. Um, so not too long? No, no, no. Everything should be, everything should be on track to do that. Very cool. And like, Yeah, I mean, we're really not doing much to the space. Um, so, you know, it's really like the OLCC has, you know, or the city has a 45-day waiting period for people to comment right. on. Right, Whatever, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah. They have to do more city stuff. <laughs> right, right. So we're just waiting on the city to do city things.
0: All right. Well, but, uh, look for that. Yeah. Though, soon.
2: Tentative, uh, tentatively, December
0: 1st. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds like so, yeah. you've got a really good shot of opening in 2019, no matter, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. All
2: right. I think we've got our ducks in a row. I, th- I think we'll be okay for that, but. Right. Excellent. We'll,
0: <clears throat> well, thank you so much for coming by and bringing us uh, some lovely beer. We didn't even get to taste it all, but uh, uh, what, what you brought smelled wonderful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, it tasted wonderful as well. <laughs> no, all four were exceptional. I really, really enjoyed
0: yeah yeah level is one of our, our our best breweries so if you come to portland uh you know we will have two locations to visit and you should uh uh seek out the brewery it's uh, w- uh three years old yeah
2: we had our second anniversary in august oh second so, anniversary yeah, so so
0: two, and a half? two and a half years old yeah. so um one of our new breweries and uh one that you should check, check out so yeah. do it
1: please do right thanks jason yeah okay a few words going out once again we want to thank uh, extend a hearty thank you to Freem Family Brewers for sponsoring this episode of the Beer Fauna Podcast. You can find them in Hood River, Oregon and at freembeer.com, P-F-R-I-E-M-B-E-R.com and wherever fine beers are sold. I always wanted to add that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and review us.
0: Five stars, please.
1: Yes, uh, that helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions or comments to Jeff at birvana.blog.com, or on Twitter we are at at pod. Jeff blogs at the Birvana Blog and tweets at at Beervana.
0: and Patrick tweets at Beeronomics.
1: All right, so I'm going to uh, have this lovely uh, Pinot. Oh, you're gonna.
0: I'm gonna. You're gonna. I'm getting in on this, man.
1: Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> cheers, Jason. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, guys. Cheers. All right. A little clink. All right. oh, <laughs>